Welcome in to the Galloway Podcast, episode 59. Today is Monday, November 23rd, 2020. It is Thanksgiving week, and also it's Iron Bowl week, biggest week of the year in the state of Alabama. And on today's podcast, we've got Andy Bertram, the voice of the Auburn Tigers, to preview Alabama versus Auburn taking place Saturday at 2.30 Central on CBS Inside Bryant-Denny Stadium. Once again, welcome into the Galloway Podcast, everybody. I'm your host, William Galloway. You can follow me on Twitter at WM underscore Galloway. And really excited for today's show. Just had a great conversation with Andy. You'll hear that in a moment. As always, we'll start with what's new. And then after we talk with Andy, we'll wrap up with Around Alabama Athletics. And so let's go ahead and get started here on episode 59 of the Galloway Podcast want to remind you that the Galloway Podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, as well as SoundCloud. So check it out on those three platforms and share on your social media. Share with your friends as well. Let's jump in to what's new. We look back this past weekend at what happened around the SEC, talking about some games. And let's start with LSU Arkansas. LSU squeaked out a win in Fayetteville 27 to 24 and Tyreon Davis Price had a touchdown one yard rush at the end after LSU had an interception and LSU just squeaks by against Arkansas an Arkansas team that was kind of trending in the right direction although their record really wouldn't indicate it they're three and five this season LSU is three and three but LSU gets the win there 27 to 24 and in a semi-surprising game, Florida at Vanderbilt, number six Florida, got the win 38-17. to But a team that everybody thought was a lot better than they actually played, Florida surrendering 17 points. Granted, they were on the road, but not a great look from Florida, only getting a 21-point win over an 0-7 Vanderbilt team. Nonetheless, Florida wins it and is now 6-1 and on the season. Alabama-Kentucky 7-0. The Crimson Tide rolled over Kentucky 63-3. Jason McClellan was actually the lead rusher for the Crimson Tide. 10 carries, 99 yards. He had a score. Najee Harris had two. Brian Robinson had one as well. Alabama getting the game done on all sides of the offense, running specifically. And Roydell Williams, the Hueytown native, got a touchdown, but... The big storyline coming out of that game was Devontae Smith. He caught two touchdown passes, and his first touchdown pass was a 10-yard reception for Mac Jones, and that broke the SEC record for career touchdowns. He now sits at 33 for his career. It's an Alabama record and is an SEC record as well, so a record-setting day, and it continuing a record-setting season for Devontae Smith. Really not much to talk about other than the Alabama defense only surrendered 179 yards of offense. And we'll, we'll say this, Kentucky was a pretty depleted team. They had some injuries. They had a lot of COVID cases. Uh, but still, Alabama with its biggest margin of victory this year, winning by 60 over the Wildcats. Kentucky falls to 3-5. and five. Auburn hosted Tennessee, and the Tigers won that one 30-17. to 17. It was a pretty balanced offensive game for Auburn. We'll talk about that with Andy Bertram coming up here in a couple minutes. So all you need to know for now is that Auburn is 5-2. and two. Tennessee falls to 2-5 and five after the Tigers' 30-17 to 17 win over Tennessee this past weekend. 
Number 13, Georgia uh, barely escaped at home versus Mississippi State, 31-24. to Kirby Smart over Mike Leach, and that game was a lot closer than people would have expected. You know, I don't think Mississippi State is all that great. Georgia might, ha- might fall in the rankings. We'll see what happens in the college football playoff rankings coming out on Tuesday night, but Georgia with the win there. Georgia now 5-2 on the season, 31-24 to over Mississippi State. And in a game that not many people are talking about, Missouri, South Carolina, Missouri won that one 17 to 10. And that's really all you need to know. Other than Mike Bobo, interim head coach for South Carolina, couldn't get the job done. Just not South Carolina's season. That's a three and three Missouri team versus a two and six South Carolina team. And that's really all you need to know there. So we look ahead now to week 13. Iron Bowl week. We've got a lot of other games as well. Arkansas at Missouri, Kentucky at Florida, Mississippi State at Ole Miss, and I'm fired up for that Egg Bowl. One thing that's really unfortunate is that it's being played at the same time as the Iron Bowl, so the viewership won't be as good, but everybody's really excited to see Mike Leach versus Lane Kiffin Episode 1. That game is at 3 p.m. on the SEC Network in Oxford. Also, LSU playing at Texas A&M, so it's been quite a while since we've seen that Aggie team active, but the number 5 team in the country hosting LSU, that game is going to be a 6 p.m. kickoff on ESPN Georgia at South Carolina. Of course, South Carolina got the win last year. Don't think it's going to happen this year. You never know. Crazier things have happened in the SEC East. And then the thrilling matchup at 630 Central on the SEC alternate channel, Tennessee and Vanderbilt. Yeah, that's about all I need to say about that one. Uh, The battle for Tennessee, that one's, you know, going to be whatever you make it. But rivalry weekend coming up does not signify the end of the regular season of college football. As we know, 2020 has taken a turn. And so let's go ahead and talk about what everybody wants to talk about. Alabama-Auburn, 2.30 kickoff on CBS, two top 25 teams as well. But here's something for you. Alabama is hovering around a 24, 25, 26-point favorite. That's one of the biggest stretches uh, in terms of point margins and expectations for Alabama and Auburn in recent years. And we'll talk about this with Andy here in a moment, but last year's game was so crazy, especially the second quarter, to go from what happened last year in Auburn to Alabama now being around a 25-point favorite is just unprecedented, but unprecedented seems to be the word in 2020. So without further ado, let's bring in Andy Burcham, the voice of the Auburn Tigers, to the Galloway Podcast to discuss this week's Thanksgiving week Iron Bowl, Saturday kickoff, 2.30 on CBS. Here's Andy Burcham. This week I'm joined by Andy Burcham, the voice of the Auburn Tigers, who has been doing a great job this year, had his first experience in the Iron Bowl last year. Andy, how you doing this week? William, I'm doing well. It's a busy week with Thanksgiving, but that's what, that's what Iron Bowl is all about, right? Every year, you know, yeah. it falls right around this time. And uh, for people in sports media, busy is just kind of the way that it goes, which is a good thing. Uh, but let's go ahead and jump right into it. As I mentioned, you called the Iron Bowl last year and what was, you know, one of the craziest Iron Bowls, uh, especially in recent history. So what are you expecting this year, not only for your radio call, but for the game as well? Well, I'm looking forward, one, to getting to Bryant-Denny Stadium and, and looking at a new perspective with, with the new press box. I uh, understand it's a, a, a different look than what we've had in the past. So I'm looking forward to, uh, to seeing that. I'm looking forward to seeing Eli 
and the Alabama crew. We're friends. Uh, maybe not that day, but, but we are friends. And then I'm looking forward to seeing th this Alabama team. I mean, by, by everything we've watched throughout the year, this is an outstanding Alabama team. Uh, it may be a bit of a hobbled Auburn team coming in, but uh, this game always seems to bring out the best in both squads. I'm looking forward to the 2020 Auburn or Iron Bowl. Yeah, it's always uh, – you can kind of throw the record out the window when, the, when Alabama and Auburn meet. And so you look at the record, though, and we'll just talk about the numbers here for a second. Five and two Auburn after a two and two start, uh, kind of a weird past – Three games, you can call it four, you know, if you want to look, however you want to look at Mississippi State. But, Andy, how would you classify this season for Auburn, especially their recent three-game win streak? Auburn has played better since its loss at South Carolina. And if you, you talk to the coaches, you talk to the team, they'll tell you that that's a game that, that Auburn should have won. It's a game that Auburn feels it gave away with three turnovers, three interceptions, and credit South Carolina – they, they turned that into 21 points in what turned out to be an eight-point loss by Auburn. And then Auburn, I think, kind of uh, turned things around. Went to Ole Miss the next week, a very tough place for, for teams to play when you go up against the Lane Kiffin offense. And, and both teams, both offenses played very, very well. And when Auburn absolutely, William, had to get a stop late in that game, it did. And then got the pass from Bo Nix to Seth Williams and got the game winner. And so – while you'd have liked to play better from a defensive standpoint, not many teams have slowed down that Ole Miss offense. And then Auburn went into the LSU game, and, um, you know, you're playing the defending national champs, but it's not the same LSU team that Auburn lost to by a touchdown the year before, the team that won the national title. And Auburn really put it together in all three phases. Outstanding defensive effort against LSU and really got the running game going in full motion, and that opened things up for Bo Nix, who had 300 yards in passing and three touchdowns, and then ran for another 81 yards with a touchdown as well. And you feel very, very good coming out of that game, knowing that you're getting an open week, a scheduled open week to heal up a bit. And then the Mississippi State COVID situation comes up. And so all of a sudden, instead of being off for one week, you're off for two. And then you go into the Tennessee game, and it's a game, listen, Auburn vividly remembers what, what happened with Auburn and Tennessee two years ago at Jordan-Hare Stadium, and Auburn gave that game away. Just did not play well, and Tennessee, to its credit, took advantage. And it's a game that really stuck in Auburn's cross, so to speak. And for the first quarter, the 2020 Auburn-Tennessee game looked a lot like the 2018 Auburn-Tennessee game. And then Auburn, after giving up 10 points to start the game, uh, scored 27 unanswered points, really played well. Um, and, and ended up winning that game and, and winning that game going away. And then you get ready for an Alabama team that's number one in the country and undefeated on the season. You've, you've lost both of your starting offensive tackles in that game in Broderius Ham on one side. And, uh, and, so, and, and both, as you and I are talking, both Auburn's starting defensive tackles are – questionable Alec Jackson on the other side and the same thing with Tank Bigsby Auburn's tailback who's been the best freshman tailback in the Southeastern Conference one of the best in the country this season he suffered what we believe to be a hip pointer in that loss and all three of those guys on offense are questionable coming into to Saturday's Iron Bowl with Alabama so that's kind of a synopsis of what Auburn's last month has been like yeah, Alabama and Auburn both have had kind of rough patches. Uh, both have had injuries, and 
everything's just kind of on par for 2020, the way things have gone this year. But when we look at this game specifically, Andy, you look at the Alabama defense versus the Auburn offense. You mentioned just previously a lot of playmakers Auburn has on offense. You know, somebody that comes to mind for me is Anthony Schwartz. But how do you compare what's going to happen on the side of the ball when Auburn's on offense versus Bama's defense? Because Alabama only surrendered 179 yards to Kentucky this past week. What's that matchup going to be like this week in Tuscaloosa? Well, if, if Auburn doesn't run the ball well against Alabama, in my opinion, the Tigers are in some trouble. When Auburn has been its best offensively this year, it has been able to run the football, and that opened up the passing game for the Tigers. When Auburn struggled a bit, the South Carolina game, uh, the Georgia game especially, which was Auburn's first loss, it didn't run the ball very well at all. And that was really, we, we started to see what Tank Bigsby could do for Auburn and has really run very, very well until this past weekend when he only had three or four carries against Tennessee. But if Auburn doesn't run the ball well, I think Alabama has the opportunity then, you know, to, to really come after Bo Nix in that game. So to me, the key, and I, I know it sounds simple, I know it sounds basic, but you'll hear Gus Malzahn Auburn's head coach and Chad Morris, the offensive coordinator, say the very same thing. Auburn must run the football this well and run it effectively against Alabama. And that is a tall task. Certainly know that. When we look at the play from Bo Nix this year, obviously had a stellar freshman campaign, but how would you summarize his season compared to his freshman season and what has he grown the most in in his game? Well, the two games that Auburn lost were both on the road. And in both of those games, he had turnovers. Uh, one against Georgia really, really didn't matter. That game, by all intents and purposes, was over. But his three interceptions against South Carolina were huge factors. And until this past weekend against Tennessee, if he had not thrown an interception, Auburn won the game. It was as simple as that. Well, he threw an interception early against Tennessee, so Auburn had to break that trend to win the game, and it did. I think he's been a more efficient quarterback. I think he's made better decisions this year. I also think he's been a better runner this year, William. Uh, he's in, in when, and I'm not just saying scrambling out of the pocket when he is the primary threat on an offensive play. He's been very good. I think he has taken a big step forward from his freshman to his sophomore year. And uh, can't wait to see what, what, what the rest of his career looks like for, uh, for Bo Nix. We'll get to the – Alabama offense here in a minute, but we know from last year's Iron Bowl that special teams can play such a critical role in flipping the game, kind of changing the narrative, changing the script for both teams. Do you foresee any special teams situations where they're going to have a specific or big impact this weekend in the Iron Bowl? I think, I think field position could be a huge factor in this game. And, and Auburn has alternated its punters uh, this season, but has been effective in doing so, really hasn't given up big yards in the punt return game. Anders Carlson is very, very good as Auburn's place kicker. He has some range. He had a 50-yard field goal this past weekend against Tennessee. I think Auburn feels good about that. I think as far as the kick return game for Alabama, I think Auburn just wants Anders Carlson to kick it out of the back of the end zone and not have to worry about the, the great return game for the Crimson Tide. So I just think field position will be a big, big factor. Uh, whether we see a big return by Auburn, Eli Stove and Christian Tunt as the punt returners, 
Tank Bigsby has been Auburn's primary kickoff returner of late. What his injury is at this point and how that affects Auburn in its kickoff return game, I don't know. If, if we don't see Tank out there as the kickoff returner, it will probably be uh, Sean Shivers, number eight for the Tigers, the guy they call Worm. So um, I, ju- I just think that, that field position and the lack of mistakes is a big, big factor when it comes to, to the special teams this weekend against Alabama. And we saw Devontae Smith return a kick uh, this past weekend versus Kentucky. So, you know, anything could happen, especially with Jalen Waddell being out. You know, he made plays all over. I like to say the second quarter of last year's Iron Bowl, Iron Bowl and I believe you and I talked about this oh. the last time on the podcast, was the biggest track meet and kind of turn of events, just watching that game reliving. So we'll have to see what happens. And special teams played a big role in that. Andy, uh, let's get to the Alabama offense. Obviously, dynamic, you know, one of the best in the country, certainly most dynamic in the SEC in terms of yards and numbers. What does Auburn have to do to slow Alabama on the offensive side of the ball? That's a great question, and I know that's one that Kevin Steele has been mulling over for quite some time because Alabama's offense is, is as advertised. It is explosive. It is balanced whether it's Mac Jones throwing to Devontae Smith or the tight end or whomever, or Najee Harris running the football. Um, it, is, it is an enormous threat, this Alabama offense. It's as good an Alabama offense as we've seen, I think, in quite some time. And uh, how Auburn is able to control that. Listen, Tennessee ran on Auburn this past weekend. And the only thing I was thinking of is that Alabama's run game is better than Tennessee's. So how is Auburn going to stop or control or slow down that Alabama offense? That's a question that I don't have an answer for, but you know what? I don't have to have the answer for that one. But uh, I, it, it's a big, big factor because if, if Auburn is able to take away the run games somehow, then Mac Jones still has all the weapons that he needs as a quarterback, and he's been terrific this season as the full-time starter for Alabama. So what Auburn does is a great question coming into Tuscaloosa on Saturday afternoon. And talk about some of those key playmakers on defense for Auburn. Obviously you've got guys that can make plays and have made plays this season, but who are a couple guys and what are a couple names that we're going to hear you call? We're going to hear Eli call. We're going to hear CBS call on the defensive side of the ball for Auburn. Well, let's start up front. Colby Wooden, a redshirt freshman out of LaGrange, Georgia, has been terrific for Auburn. He leads the Southeastern Conference as a defensive tackle, not an end, as a defensive tackle in in tackles for loss. He has been a pleasant surprise for Auburn. Not that he's played well, but he's played as well as he has early in his career. You go back to the two linebackers. So Kobe McLean is certainly a name that you'll recall from a year ago, had the 100-yard pick six in the Alabama game a year ago. Uh, and, and he is filling in for K.J. Britt. I don't know if we'll see K.J. Britt out there for Auburn, but Owen Papo has just been terrific for Auburn. A sophomore, true sophomore linebacker, had 12 tackles this past weekend against Tennessee. And then you look back at the secondary, and that secondary is a little bit underrated, if you ask me. Auburn has done a really nice job against some outstanding wide receivers of late of taking them out of the game. Now, whether Auburn can do that against Devontae Smith, that remains to be seen. But you have two really good safeties back there, Smoke Monday, Jamie and Sherwood, and Roger McCreary has turned into an outstanding cover corner for the Tigers. I would imagine that's the matchup with Devontae Smith this coming Saturday night. So that's just a couple of the names of, of Auburn's defense that, uh, that have to step up and play well this weekend against Alabama. 
Smoke Monday is certainly one of the better names uh, in the SEC and the NCAA as well. And, of course, that 100-yard pick six he had this weekend. I was talking about it on my sports cast, but something about Auburn and those 100-yard plays, man. You you uh, you get the ball in the end zone, and they start headed the other way, and the opposing team's always in trouble. What was that? Walk us through that play, uh, your call, well, and kind of what that was like this weekend. What, what is interesting about that that whole drive is Alabama, or Tennessee just drove the ball down the, the field with its run game and Auburn was having trouble stopping it. And then when Tennessee got to the red zone, they went to the pass, which I think we all kind of questioned at that point. Good for Auburn because it, it turned out well for Auburn, but, but smoke Monday was, was, was back. The ball was a little bit up. He said after the game that he thought he baited uh, Jarrett Garantano in, into that throw and, you know, he had a pick six for Auburn last year against Alabama, the one that the shorter of the, the pick sixes for the Tigers. But there was no question what he was going to try and do. And he got to the sideline. And when he got about to the Auburn 40, the only question was, would he stay in bounds? And um, he was running away from me uh, in, the, in, in Auburn's press box. But it was it was a beauty to behold. Uh, I, I wish. I had been smart enough to say a smoke show for Smoke Monday, but that one did not come to mind on that play. But he is a very, very good uh, safety for the Tigers. Auburn also had another 100-yard pick six called back because of an illegal block this year. Same end zone going the same way by Nehemiah Pritchett. So Auburn could Arkansas, have right? Yeah, Auburn could have two of those pick sixes this year. It just has one, but they'll take it. Well, they've got enough against Alabama to frustrate Crimson Tide fans, that's for sure. Um, Andy, just two quick keys here. Yeah. If you had to put your hand on two things in the game that are important, we'll do two keys for Bama and two keys for Auburn. What would they be? Well, the, the, the same keys for both teams is turnovers. I mean, look, what, look how big turnovers were a year ago in, in Auburn's favor, the two pick sixes. I'm not saying you get pick sixes, but, but limit – your turnovers. And certainly for Auburn, that's been an enormous key this year, getting those turnovers and avoiding the turnovers. As mentioned, Bo Nix's interception this past weekend was his first at home and the first game in which he's had an interception that Auburn won. So I think that's a huge factor. Auburn has to establish somehow the run game against Alabama this week. Uh, That is a huge key for the Tigers on offense. And defensively, trying to get some pressure on Mac Jones, I think, is a big key for Auburn. I think Najee Harris gets his uh, this week. Um, and but, but can Auburn get to Mac Jones and put some pressure on the Alabama quarterback? No one has done it so far. We'll see if Auburn can do that on Saturday afternoon. And one thing we learned about Alabama on offense this week is they've got depth at the running back position. Of course, losing Trey Sanders for the remainder of the year, his second year in a row to lose him. Obviously, he's gotten to play a little bit this year, but seeing Jason McClellan and some of these younger guys, Bama has that depth at running back and, of course, weapons all around the offense. <clears throat> and I want to ask you, Andy, as we wrap up here, it's a little bit lighthearted. Uh, Thanksgiving week, what are the must-haves on your Thanksgiving plate on Thursday? Cranberries. I love cranberries. Sauce, salad, jello, doesn't matter. I love cranberries. Uh, so that's a must for Thanksgiving. We're going to have both turkey and ham. Um, and then probably my wife's, my wife Jan makes outstanding uh, hash brown casserole. So she will have that on the, uh, on the table. We're actually going to be 
celebrating Thanksgiving on Friday. We've got basketball, men's basketball, both Wednesday and Friday. So our Thanksgiving this year will be on Friday. But uh, cranberries and Jan's hash brown casserole are two musts for our Thanksgiving. I just had some hash browns at Waffle House this morning. I'm sure it pales in comparison to your <laughs> hash brown casserole. Uh, mine's sweet potato casserole. You got to have it. My, the, the men in our family put it together. It doesn't look great, but it tastes good. So um, That's all that matters, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Andy, well, thank you so much for taking some time on a very busy Thanksgiving week and looking forward to seeing you in Tuscaloosa this Saturday for the Iron Bowl. My pleasure, William. Hope you all have a happy Thanksgiving. We'll see you at Bryant Denny. I want to thank Andy for his time today. Of course, a very, very busy week with basketball getting underway and, of course, the Iron Bowl, as we just discussed. So thank you, Andy, for your time and insight, of course, and he's been on the podcast before. Appreciate him and hope you enjoyed it. If you have any feedback, let me know on Twitter at WM underscore Galloway as we move into around Alabama athletics now. A relatively big week for the Crimson Tide as the men's and women's basketball seasons get underway. Tip off Wednesday at noon, the Alabama women's basketball team will take on Samford and then that night at 630 the men's basketball team will host Jacksonville State. So very exciting as the basketball seasons get underway. I know I personally have been waiting for those for a long time. I know the players have, the coaches have, and it's nice to see that basketball season is here after it got cut short. Of course, the men's basketball team was scheduled to play Tennessee, and COVID hit, and it has been a wild ride ever since. So that's kind of what's going on with men's and women's basketball getting started this week. And that's really all we've got for around Alabama athletics, other than Kyra Lewis last week getting drafted at number 13 by the New Orleans Pelicans, joining the ranks of Zion Williamson down there in New Orleans. Kyra had his draft party in Huntsville. He's really excited to be a Pelican. He was with family, friends, coaches, and really, really exciting to see him get drafted in the NBA draft. A first-round draft pick, the second lottery pick for the Alabama Crimson Tide in the last three years. So how about that? After just years and years and years of Alabama players coming and going and playing overseas, the Crimson Tides had two lottery picks in the last three years. That's incredible. And Coach Oates said last Thursday that he thinks it's only going up from here. He's got guys that he believes, you know, two or three guys could be a first round pick next year, potentially a lottery pick. So we'll have to see, but big things are in store for this men's basketball team. And once again, congratulations to Kyra Lewis for being selected number 13 overall in the 2020 NBA draft by the New Orleans Pelicans. That's it for around Alabama athletics. And that's going to do it for us here on episode 59 of the Galloway Podcast. As always, we went through what's new in the world of sports, specifically SEC football, recapping week 12 and previewing week 13. I want to once again thank Andy Burcham for his time and his insight to preview the Iron Bowl. And then we went around Alabama athletics. I want to remind everybody the Galloway Podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud. So you can check it out on those three platforms. And hey, the Christmas season, the holiday season is coming up. If you want good stocking stuffers, want some good gifts to give people, maybe a little dirty Santa swap party you're going to, I've got you covered. Galloway Podcast, golf towels, stickers, game day stickers. We've got tumblers. We've got coffee mugs. I just placed a new hat order, so we'll have some gray hats, some white hats, and some navy hats. 
So Galloway Podcast Hats made a great Christmas gift last year. They'll make a great gift this year. A new color, the rolling out the navy now. That's new, so want to check that out. Let me know on Twitter at WM underscore Galloway. But thank you so much for taking your time. I hope everyone has a wonderful Thanksgiving week. This is the Galloway Podcast, where there's the right way, there's the wrong way, and there's the Galloway. <laughs>